You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Well, I want to echo that and say Merry Christmas on behalf of our staff and our elders and leadership here. Merry Christmas to all of you. And we're so it's just awesome that you're here and we're able to share this uh, few moments together, kind of set the tone for this really special day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Sometime after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men we know made the trip to see Jesus. They came from the east and they came to see Jesus. And this is what Matthew says happened when they got there. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold has always been a valuable metal. It's always been. Frankincense is kind of interesting because it's not something you and I use much these days. But frankincense is this kind of glittery, fragrant sap that is harvested by making these slits in the bark of various trees. And myrrh comes from trees also. It's a specific tree that is found in Arabia. And myrrh has this value, it is a valuable spice and perfume. Some scholars think that there is some kind of unique or specific symbolism around these specific gifts. They say that the gold represents the royalty that Jesus was. He was a king. And the frankincense is a reference to his divinity. He was his godlike nature. And then myrrh is also a suggestion about his coming death and burial and ultimately resurrection. We're not sure if that's what the wise men intended to have that symbolism attached to their gifts. But one thing we do know about these gifts is that they were really valuable. They were expensive. And the giving of valuable gifts has always communicated a certain importance to the person who's receiving that gift. You give them something expensive and they go, hey, I must be important. And you know, when you think about the best gifts that you can give or receive, you have to admit, it's not an exact science, is it? It really isn't. We hope that they're going to like it, but we don't really know. It's awesome. A gift may be totally, completely out of this world for you, but it means almost nothing to the person sitting next to you. Or you get a gift that was, when you got it, it was the greatest gift ever, but a few years down the road, it just, it doesn't mean the same. Gifts have varying levels of value based upon the person who's receiving them. But the great thing about the internet is that we can know the opinion of millions of people It's right there at our keyboard. We can access that. And I did some research for your benefit this Christmas on the internet with regard to what people think when it comes to the best gifts out there. There are hundreds of lists of these best gift variety that people have. And I thought I'd share just a few of the best ones that I found. The first one is this. 2008's most popular new toys for kids this Christmas. That would have been a great list to tap into three weeks ago. It's very little value on Christmas Eve. 
right? And then this one, Oprah's official favorite things for 2018 announced. I mean, if anybody knows about great gifts, it's Oprah. Wouldn't you agree? And then this is my, probably my favorite on the whole list. Sort of cool Christmas gifts your teens and tweens might actually like. Okay, they're not going out on a limb on this list. They're saying, this is kind of cool stuff your adolescents might like, but they might not. And then there's this one, the best socks for men this season. You should visit this one because every guy I know is hoping, please God, let me get socks this year. Right? And then this one, 24 best unicorn gift ideas for the unicorn obsessed (laughs) This comes with a trip to a therapist, I'm pretty sure, if you order anything off of that. And then the last one is this, 25 amazing gifts that women actually want, which implies that men have no idea what women want. Is that true, ladies? Okay, thank you. Uh, This is the audience participation portion of our program. Yeah, that's why I have my two adult daughters shop for me for my wife. Her Christmas got way better when that started happening a few years ago. The truth is, the best gifts always evoke extreme responses. When you give someone a really good gift, they'll oftentimes just burst into a celebration, just filled with joy. Or maybe they'll burst into tears because they're so happy. And then there are those that just stand there in total shock. They can't believe it. It's just these extreme statements. The power of a great gift can have on a person. When you think first about the greatest gift, the first thing that comes to your mind, most of us think of extremely expensive gifts. Things like a yacht, right? Do you ever think about somebody giving you a yacht? That's out of control. Or how about a luxury jet? The other day I was just thinking, how cool would it be? I'm a lead minister. I should have my own luxury jet, right? <laughs> or what about a diamond necklace, a million dollar necklace? Some of you ladies are going, now you're, getting, now you're getting closer. Or what if somebody gave you a castle? They just said, Merry Christmas. I got you a castle. These are definitely over-the-top kind of gifts, aren't they? But are they really the best gifts you could ever give or receive? For most, a gift's value is determined largely by the value that the person who's receiving that gift places on that gift. For many of us, the value of those gifts, and we spend a lot on them, the value isn't that high when they receive it, and after a short period of time, the The value seems to diminish. What if a gift was priceless and never declined in value? What if it made life better and could actually facilitate living forever? Would a gift like that be the best gift ever? Absolutely. We read about that very gift, the best gift ever given, in the Gospel of John, John 3.16. And if that verse sounds familiar to you, it is the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John 3.16. Throughout history, experts tell us that billions of people have memorized this verse. In fact, as I was thinking back, it's the first verse I committed to memory as a kid, John 3.16. And this verse shows up everywhere. It's everywhere. In fact, you go to sporting events and you'll see signs, John 3.16. And if you don't know what that means, you're sitting there going, what is that? 
right? Football games, basketball games, soccer matches, even NASCAR races, you know, which I think if you're going down the, down the speedway at two, 200 miles an hour, somebody's got John 316, you know, you, you should pay attention to that. Really, you should. Why is this verse so important? Why is it so popular? Let me tell you why it's important. This verse is important because it's about the very best gift ever. It explains the reason for Christmas. It summarizes the Bible in a single sentence. It tells you how to settle your eternal destiny in just one Bible verse. So I want to ask you to indulge me just for one second. Would you read this verse with me? If you don't mind, as we read God's Word together, if you would just stand out of reverence for it. I know you're all nestled in, right? You're settled in. It's kind of aerobics. Consider it. You can put that box. Check that box. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you. You may be seated. That's the most famous verse in all of the Bible, and it explains the greatest gift man has ever been given. This gift is the love that God has for you and me, for all of humanity. John says, for God so loved the world. Now that word, so, right there, that little word, it it has powerful, powerful influence in this verse. It's what's called an adverb of intensity. And that small little word packs a powerful punch in this verse. It's actually what makes this verse to mean nobody will ever love you more than God will. Nobody. You see, his love is extravagant. His love is lavish. No person will ever love you more than that. You may think you've been loved, but until you are loved by God, you will never know what the depths of love could be. And the problem that you and I have with the meaning of this Greek word love is that in the English language, we're extremely limited I mean, we use the word love in so many different ways. I say I love my wife, and then I say I love football. (laughs) And that better not be the same, right? You love your kids, and then you love pizza. And that's the wrong usage of the word, right? The Greeks had it down. They actually had four words for the word love. You You can find four different words. But the word for love that John uses here to describe the love that Jesus has is the Greek word agape, and it means unconditional love. This love, agape love, it must give in order to express or show this love. Agape love is also given with no strings attached. It's not something that you have to earn or something that you will owe someone for down the road. Any other love that centers on oneself is not love at all, but a fraudulent misrepresentation of real love. Agape love is the purest of loves. Over 30 years ago now, I couldn't couldn't believe it, I started doing the math on this. There was a point in my wife and I's life where I wanted to give her a gift, kind of an over-the-top special kind of gift because she was going to deliver our first child and I wanted after the fact to say, hey, it was worth it. And if she didn't really think it was, then I'd have, hey, here's a gift, you know. And so I, I thought, 
I had heard her previously talk about someday she hoped to get a pair of diamond earrings. But at that point in our lives, we could not afford a gift like that. We just couldn't. But I wanted to do something extreme like that. So I started saving money. And that was really hard because she was in charge of our finances. And it wasn't like there was a lot of it to go around anyway. So what I did was I would go to the ATM. I'm not advising this. But I would make my withdrawal for my little allotment, or some might call it an allowance. And I would take half of it, and I would put it in my drawer and save it for this gift. And then I would live on the half that was left in my wallet. And that meant I had to go without certain things like coffee, which wasn't very good if you were around me and I didn't have coffee. And then, you know, books and certain activities that I want to do. But I was trying to save You see, I didn't want Anne to know that I was saving this money. I wanted it to be a total surprise for her. And you know, giving her those earrings was one of the most exciting gifts I think I'd ever given her. Really, even going back, thinking of what's happened since, it's pretty amazing. I think it was probably because I knew I had to pay a little bit of a cost. You know, there was some sacrifice in order for me to be able to buy that gift for her. It was more meaningful because it seemed to cost me, even though it was just coffee. It was just a book here or there, an activity here or there. It was meaningful. Agape love is like that. It's unconditional, and it always costs the person who's giving it something. The focus of God's agape love, John says, is the world. The whole world. The focus of his love was us. And you were included in that. You may not feel like God has paid you much attention over the course of your life, but you are the focus of his best gift ever. His love. The focus of this love was you and me. And God gave his son for the purpose of delivering us from our sins. It was for all of humanity. He sent this gift. God gave his son as an offering for our sin. And God, God's love extends to every single person who's ever lived. You know, there's a, an organization called the Population Reference Bureau. These people study stuff like this. They went back and they have, they've used their, their math skills to discover that over the course of all of history approximately 106 billion people have walked this planet. They've lived on this planet. 106 billion people. That's a lot. And God has loved every one of them, John said. Every single one of them. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love. And that word there, it's agape. God demonstrates his own no strings attached, no strings attached, unconditional love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that, my friends, all started at a manger in a little stable in Bethlehem. The giving of his son was for the salvation of the entire human race. And John writes this in 1 John 2, 2. He says, he is the payment for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. God's focus was on us. It was on everyone. For God so loved the world. 
And that included you and me. And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or how long you've done it or who you did it with. God's love is not based on what you do. It's based on who he is. His love always gives. And yet here's the irony. We've done nothing to deserve his love. And that aside, even if you hate him, he still loves you. Even if you were one of those who killed him, he's still willing to forgive you. You see, the price for God's love was significant. John tells us it was Jesus himself. He gave his one and only son, John writes. Jesus was the price paid for our sin. He's the agent of our salvation. He's the one who makes salvation possible. Later, Jesus himself explained this in greater detail. In John 14, he said, I, Jesus, am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the agent of our salvation. Now, this is important It's important. This awesome gift of God's love is free, but it does require a response from us. And that response is simply the acceptance of God's gift. John writes, whoever believes in him. This means that this gift is opened and received by those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When we do this, we're saying, I trust that Jesus loves me and he'll save me. He'll forgive me of my sins. God's role was redemption when he was giving Jesus. And the role of humans is to put our faith in Jesus. Then for those who put their faith in Jesus, John kind of adds two blessings. He he reveals these two blessings that come as a result of putting your faith in Jesus. Listen, the first was you shall not perish. This means that you will not face death in hell. You hear people talk about hell all the time. Hell's real. But one of the byproducts of putting your faith in Jesus is you're not going to have to face that. Hell's the punishment for sin. But once you put your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And the result is you won't have to face eternal death. The second blessing is you have eternal life. This is life with God in heaven forever. You receive eternal life. And Paul says in Titus 2, he says, the free gift of eternal life is offered to everyone. Did you hear that? Everyone. You, me, and even people who are pagans, who are so far lost, you would say there's no way. And yet Paul tells Titus, yeah, There's a way for even them, for everyone. Those who put their faith in Jesus shall not perish means we escape destruction, and then we are given eternal life with God. The love of God has made it possible for people to turn from their self-destructive past and receive from God the gift of everlasting life. This gospel is, comes as a good news to all of us who recognize the predicament. It's sin. And it's caused by our sin. And receive the priceless gift of God's love through Jesus Christ, his son. I want to close with this. There was a little boy who wrote a letter to Santa. 
And he said, Dear Santa, there are three boys who live here. Jeffrey, who is two. David, who is four. And Norman, who is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. (laughs) David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. Signed sincerely, Norman. (laughs) You know what's wrong with that? There are no Normans. Are there? There are none of us who are good all of the time. Why? Because of sin. We just have a hard time saying no to it. And that's why we needed a Savior. And that's why Jesus came. Earlier this afternoon in uh, Louisville, I got a... uh, a message, a phone call from Jay Hawkins. He's a state trooper here in our church. And uh, he called me to tell me, he said, hey, uh, heavy day. Uh, Louisville Metro officer was killed on I-64. Horrible crash. Uh, And he just said, hey, I just want you to know that. If you can uh, share any love with first responders, I know they're going to carry a little extra weight today. And I think about first responders, they often stare danger right in the eyes, and sadly today, that ended tragically. But we're grateful for those of you that do stand in harm's way for our benefit. That it reminded me just how fragile life really is, you know? A sad, terrible, awful thing, but life is really, really short. I'm not sure that officer thought that this would be the last day that he would live. James says in James 4.14, why you do not know, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. What's James saying? He's saying life is really, really short. And some of us think we got a lot longer than we do. The truth is we don't. I want to ask you a real personal question. And that is this. This Christmas, would you like to receive the best gift, the greatest gift you'll ever be offered? If you would, I'm going to be right down here at the end of this service. I'd love to talk to you about that, tell you what God has for you. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I thank you for this really special time. Every year, I look forward to this. I just love this. God, I pray your blessing on every family that's here. I pray, uh, God, right now for the, that Louisville Metro officer's family. Um, I just pray for your comfort and peace. I pray, God, you'll surround them with people who love you and will love them. God, we are thankful for the best gift that you gave us, your love, when you gave us your son born in humble circumstances there in that stable in Bethlehem, lived through this life as one who would give a perfect example of how this life could be lived. And then he would die on that cross as a sacrifice for us, only to rise from the dead three days later to conquer the one power that Satan had, and that was death. God, thank you for that awesome gift the best gift you've ever given your son, 
Jesus Christ. We are forever grateful for that, Lord. And I pray if there's one person here that has never unwrapped that gift of your love and accepted your forgiveness, God, I I pray today would be that day. God, thank you again. We pray in Jesus' name.